there is a drifting away that occurs. And uh, it's ever so subtle. It's mostly never, mostly never suddenly, all of a sudden, it's mostly over a little time like a faucet drips, like a, a bank erodes. And the Word of God speaks to this subject and what we can do to make sure that we do not drift away from the truth. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to His own will. Heavenly Father, we ask You to bless the reading of Your Word. I pray right now that You would just capture our thoughts. I ask You, Lord, that You would help us to focus. Lord, we need to be changed. Sometimes we are so just bogged down with life that we don't, uh, we don't get the spiritual teaching. We don't get what you're trying to do in us and through us and for us. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be aware of your presence, aware of your leading and your working. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Change us from the inside out. I do pray, for Lord, for those who might uh, be here that's not in fellowship with you. They're not where they need to be in their relationship. I ask you, God, to speak to them. May they sense your love. May they just know and understand of your great love for them. Lord, I pray again for your help. I ask you to strengthen me. Allow me to teach this. May you be glorified. And Father, may we as a church stand before you and cry, Holy, 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 because there is no one like you. We bow before you. You're, you alone truly are worthy. Lord, again, we praise you. And if there's one in any of our services that's not saved, May today be the day that they believe in you for everlasting life. We, we love you in Jesus' name and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <laughs> Do not neglect your salvation. This has often been a misunderstood passage of Scripture. Many people take it and preach it to teach it or something that it's not at all saying. We start off with a therefore, and we always have to ask, why is therefore, therefore? It causes us to go back to the previous argument. What was the previous argument? The previous argument is that Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the angels. And that's important because he begins with an exhortation. Remember I told you that uh, part of Hebrews is exposition and part of it is exhortation. And this is the exhortation part. It's like one long sermon. The preacher has read the word and now he's going to exhort them. And this is what he exhorts them when he says this. He says, listen, we must pay special close attention to the things we have heard. Now, I want to just stop right there and tell you because this is extremely important, especially in the day we're living in. It's always been important, but especially in the day we're living because there are is what the world determines truth, and they believe that truth is 
perception, how you perceive something is truth. And then there's what the Bible says is true. And we fall on the side with the Bible. The Bible truth. The Bible defines truth for us. And the things that they had heard were the truths, plural, of the word of God. And so the writer is warning these believers, and he's warning us, be careful of drifting away from the truth of God's Word. Now, hear me out. This is happening rapidly today in our land. And I'm not on a soapbox, and I'm not on any of that. I'm just telling you the truth. I want to give you an illustration. People are basing theology on how they feel. They're basing truth on how they feel. Well, I feel this way or I feel that way. And really, you know, we can't, you know, we can't be mean to people. And just because they're this way, we should, we should uh, love them, affirm them, and, and, and uh, just approve of what they're doing. And that's, you can't do that. And what is happening is because we stand and say that we believe in God's Word and we're going to stand with God's Word, we're going to be called bigots. We're going to be called narrow-minded. We were even once by some extreme politicians called terrorists because we believe the Word of God. Because we believe that the marriage is between the husband and the wife, a man and a woman. And we believe that adultery is wrong. And we, we believe that all these other sins that the Bible says are sin, we call them sin. And they look at us and say, because you all believe that, you're all bad. And so some churches who are not willing to handle the pressure, they're not willing to stand up and speak and stand on God's Word, they cave into it so that they get people in the seats and so that they get money in the offering plates. And they are drifting away from the Word of God. I had a conversation not too long ago. And this is just a, just a perfect illustration. Someone was after me because I said that a woman cannot be a pastor. Biblically, a woman cannot be a pastor. No one can answer. Anyone that believes that, no one, not one person can answer for me how a woman can be the husband of one wife. In the Bible, one of the qualifications of pastors is to be the husband of one wife. Husband, masculine, wife, feminine. There's no room for misinterpretation. And some people squirm and get uncomfortable about that. Well, you're a sexist. No, I'm not. I'm a biblicist. I believe what the Bible says. But churches have moved away on that. And they say, you know, they're drifting away from the truth of the Word of God. But it's funny how they because they've drifted and because they feel that it should be okay, then it's okay in their minds. But it's not. It's not okay. And so we, he warns us, listen, you, you must give earnest heed. You must pay, pay special close attention that you do not drift away from the truth of God's word. Don't do it. What does it mean to drift? Well, it means a spiritual deterioration. That's what it means. Notice what he says in verse 2. He takes an argument in this warning from history, and he says this. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. In other words, he's saying, if when the angels 
brought the message to the people and the people disobeyed it or they transgressed against it. They were judged because of it. He then says, how shall we then escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Because Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is here. I taught you last week. He is the revelation of God. He has revealed Himself. He's given us the book. Do you know that Jesus, when He came into incarnation, incarnation, He referred to Himself. John refers to Him as the Word. Is there any reason why? Yeah, there's a reason why. Because there's a correlation between Jesus and the Word of God. It's His Word. It's His truth. And he says, listen, even if the angels proved steadfast, and they were, uh, when they transgressed and disobeyed what the angels brought the message, God is bringing this message through Jesus. How much more are we going to be responsible for this? So he says in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, if you will bear with me just for a moment, I, need, I want to teach you something here quickly. Salvation, most people when they think of salvation, they think of what happened back whenever they came to faith in Christ. That's when I was saved. Right? But salvation is so much more than that. Did you know? There are three tenses in the word salvation. It means, first of all, that you have been saved. That means you've been justified. You have been declared righteous by God. It also says in the second tense of salvation is you are being saved. That is sanctification. God is conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. And the third word that's bound up in salvation, the third tense, is you will be saved. A future tense, which means you will be glorified when these bodies are changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and we have a glorified body and we are physically present with Jesus. Those are three tenses of salvation. So how do we neglect so great a salvation? Well, first of all, let me make sure you understand that he is speaking to believers. He is speaking to genuine believers. Some people have tried to explain this away and say, well, he's just talking to professing believers. In his mind, he is speaking to born-again believers because he includes himself. How shall we, not you, we? He includes himself. And he says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now listen to me. You can't neglect something you don't have. In other words, you have to have salvation to be able to neglect it. Neglect is not the same as reject. Reject means you don't have it. Do you understand that? If I reject it, it's not mine. If I have it and do nothing with it, it is neglected. So this is not talking about losing your salvation. That's not in question here at all. It's talking about a spiritual deterioration in your life where you're drifting away from the truth of the Word of God. Yes, you're a born-again Christian, but let me tell you, if you do that, you are in dangerous territory. We have become way too chummy with God. We don't fear God anymore, church. We don't fear God anymore. We're way too casual with Him, and we have forgotten That God is a righteous God. He is holy. No one has seen God at any time. But He has been revealed to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Neglect implies that you have this salvation. So what does it mean? What is he talking about when he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Well, there's three things I think I can prove to you from the text. Number one, neglecting our salvation is neglecting the Word of God. What do you mean neglecting the Word of God? Look what he says. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken word by the Lord? You and I begin our spiritual deterioration the moment we neglect the Word of God. And I will tell you this day we live in, Bible reading is dropping at a rapid rate. All reading is dropping at a rapid rate. We're being programmed for little snippets. We watch little snippets. We can't sit down and concentrate and read for any amount of time. We're neglecting the Word of God. I've heard statements like this. Preacher, I know what the Word says, but you're neglecting the Word of God. You can't put but a but where God puts a period. Think about that. We're, we have begun to neglect the Word of God when we don't read it. When we don't obey it. And we think that God owes us something and that we can win at the game of sin. Do you know the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And I'm not standing up here behind an ivory tower at this pulpit looking over the rim of my glasses at you, pointing the finger at you, because I struggle just like you struggle. I'm human just like you. In our churches, there is a neglecting of the Word of God. I thank God this church. I thank God for this church. I I, I do. I I love you guys, and I tell you, everything we do, we have the Word of God. Everything we do. And it's important that we maintain and keep that up. Brother Dave, when he was a pastor here, he held to the Word of God. He held to the Word of God. This church has a history of being faithful and true to God's Word. But listen to me. We can't live in the past in our history. We have to understand that, listen, if we neglect the Word of God, that is the first step of spiritual deterioration. That is the first step of drifting. And the writer is warning them, listen, you're going to drift. The further you get away from the Word of God, the farther farther you get away from the God of the Word. God doesn't reveal himself in cheese uh, sandwiches. He doesn't reveal himself in toast like people are selling on eBay. In clouds, he doesn't reveal himself on the internet. He reveals himself through his completed word of God. And if God punished those in the past, even though they were followers of God, if he punished them in the past because they did not follow his word, He will do the same to us. Don't you think you can uh, tempt God and get away with it? The word of God was spoken at first by the Lord. It was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Many scholars believe that the writer was a second generation Christian. He did not actually see Christ. But those whom he got this from were eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ. And he says that because of that statement there. He says, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed 
to us by those who heard him, eyewitnesses of him. Verse 4, God also bearing witness from both signs and wonders. They were authenticated. His word was authenticated by signs and wonders. And may I say to you, his word is complete, so we don't need those signs and wonders today. His word is complete. There are no extra biblical revelations. His word is complete. So the first step to neglecting our salvation is neglecting the word of God. I am amazed at how much I find in the word of God every time I read it. I try to read through it and finish it. And if I go over a little over a year, it's okay. And I'll read through it. And when I read through it, I am amazed how I've read passages over and over and over and over again. And then I read it and I get another truth out of it. You know why? It's the living word of God. It's the living Word of God. Secondly, we neglect our salvation by neglecting prayer. As a matter of fact, he makes this argument in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. I know we're jumping ahead, but we'll get it again later too when we get back in there. Because we'll probably forget in between chapter 2 and 10. And then when we get to 10, it'll be all new again. Amen? All right. Therefore, brethren, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest... By the blood of Jesus. Now listen to me. You and I, you and I, have the awesome privilege, the awesome privilege of boldly coming to the throne room of the Lord. Now, I remember I sat witnessing in the home of someone who was involved in the Catholic Church. And I sat with this woman, and I just asked her a question. I said, ma'am, can you tell me why in the world it is you pray to Mary? This came from her lips. She said, well, Mary is the mother of Jesus, and we just think if Mary will go to Jesus on our behalf, then he will say yes to his mother easier than he would say yes to us. To me, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You can come straightly to him. You don't need Mary. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, Mary ain't hearing you. I'm just saying. Because Mary is not Jesus. Mary does not have any of the divine attributes. Why is it we struggle with prayer? I'll tell you why we struggle with prayer. This is not new to me. I heard it back when I was a kid growing up, and it stuck. The reason it's so difficult to pray is because the rewards are so great. You know the devil doesn't want you to pray. The devil does not want you to pray. The devil would like to convince you that God doesn't care about what you're thinking about and that's insignificant and you don't want to bother God. God's got all this, he's got all this busy just going on, orchestrating, running the world. He don't need to hear from you. And that is further from the truth. If you and I only understood how much God really loves us. That book Gentle and lowly opened up my eyes. I had not seen it as he had presented how deeply the love of Christ for sinners. And how you, you know, being a grandfather now, and I look at that grandbaby, and I don't care what she says, I just want to hear her talk. I love it. And it's amazing how she's going to get away a lot more than my kids got away with. I'm just saying. 
But you know, they talk about a mother's love. I'm telling you about a grandparent's love. I'm just saying that. What's that? But let me just tell you this, guys. I, see, I mean this sincerely. God wants us to talk to Him. God wants us to talk to Him. And you know, I've had folks in my life, one of my, one of my closest buddies who's in heaven now, A.C. Workman, he'd love for me to just call him or just come over and sit with him and talk about the Reds. We'd complain about the Reds. We wouldn't talk about them. But um, if you're a Reds fan, you know what I'm talking about. You live on that street. But <clears throat> he would love, he, he just loved the fellowship. And you know, oftentimes... Any of my children can come to me and say, Dad, I, I, I've got a need. I, I, I mean, I'm really concerned about this. And I'm going to listen to them. How much more would your Heavenly Father hear your prayers? See, when we start moving away from the Word of God, we start moving away from prayer. And what happens is we neglect our talking to God, and then we only go to God when we want something, right? And we only go to God when we want something. And before long... We're making a mess of our life and we're wondering where in the world God is and we haven't even stopped and talked to Him. I have a good friend who has a sign right beside his door leaving his house that says, you're really not going to leave today without praying first. He put that there. So it would remind him to pray. The disciples came to the Lord and they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. We see a lot recorded in all the things that Jesus is doing, but we also see many times when Jesus was off by himself talking to the Father. Jesus says, you all sit here and pray. I'm going to go a little further and pray. He comes back and guess what they're doing? The same thing I was doing, sleeping, right? Can anyone in here convince me, honestly, in all your heart, you could take 30 minutes and pray 30 minutes straight. That's a challenge, isn't it? I'm like, man, I've been two minutes, 30 seconds, and I'm done. <laughs> Do you ever just talk to the Lord? Just talk to Him. Just tell Him how great He is. Tell Him... Something he's done in your life, go back and thank him. You know, when we need the Lord to intervene, we, we're praying and praying and praying and praying, but sometimes we forget to go back and thank him, don't we? There's many opportunities for us to pray. And when we start to neglect our salvation, we neglect the word of God, we begin to neglect prayer. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which <clears throat> he consecrated for us through the veil that is flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Draw near to Him in prayer. There's something about the human nature that we can't figure out when we get into trouble, we get angry at God and we want to run away from God. When we should run to Him. And we run to Him and we're struggling with something and we run to Him and He cares and He listens to us. He says, 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. When we neglect our salvation, we neglect by the word of God, we neglect prayer, and number three, we neglect fellowship with God's people. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know what I have found out? When we start our spiritual deterioration and we start moving away from the Word of God, we start moving away from prayer, we want to start moving away from church people because we think that they're being judgmental of us. And really, it's just our conscience that's bothering us, and we, per- we, we perceive that people are talking about us and thinking about us, and I would, it was really, it's really funny if, you, if we really thought how little people thought of us. I mean, as in opportunities to think about us, they got so much else on their mind, they're not worried about that. And we run and no one's chasing us. We run away from the church because we think, you know, well, I'm not where I need to be. And so I'm going to run away from church because I don't want them people judging me. And no one's judging you. When I call people that haven't been to church, I say, hey, how you doing? And then they start giving me the reasons why they're not at church. And I said, look, I'm not calling to make you guilty. I just want, want you to know I love you. If there's anything I can do for you. But I got the white collar around my neck, and you know, they start, you know, telling me all these things. Hey, listen, I just I love you. Do you know that you and I were committed we were created for community? We were created to be together. God created, and the first creative work and act he said that was not good, he said was that man should be alone. It's not good. When we start drifting, we don't want to be around God's people because we start feeling a little different. And then our feelings take over and we're no longer living by faith or fact. We're living by feelings and we start feeling that people are looking at us, talking to us, and they're not. They've got their own problems. And so you drift even further and you wouldn't understand You don't know what I've been through. I do not, I have not, and you're right. But we need each other. We need each other, church. Because drifting brings chastisement. Drifting brings chastisement. Listen, when you neglect the Word of God, when you neglect prayer, when you neglect assembling yourself together with God's people, You've drifted away from the truth. And when you drift away from the truth, you're in danger of chastisement from the Lord. Would you go just a couple pages over to Hebrews chapter 12 with me just for a moment? Verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? 
For they, indeed, a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you began to drift, and you continue to drift without confessing and repentance, you will face the chastening of God. And it will not be pleasurable. It will be painful. It will be painful. I know of a fella who was at the pinnacle of his career. He was good at his craft. He was doing everything. And he decided that uh, he would participate in an adulterous affair. He participated in an adulterous affair. It came out. There was carnage. He lost his family. His work went downhill, lost his career, lost everything. His adultery didn't start the minute he met that woman. His adultery started when he began to drift away from the Word of God, when he began to drift away from prayer, and he began to drift away from his church. So what do I do if I feel that I'm beginning to drift how can I stop the drift? Well, I think it begins with an honest assessment. We don't like honesty about our own lives. When something happens, you know, a kid gets in trouble, the first thing the kid says, well, so-and-so did this. And we laugh because it's children. But we do the same thing. We're confronted with our sin, and there's always an excuse. There's always someone else's fault. Nobody wants to own up and say, listen, I, I truly am not worthy I truly am a sinner I'm a screw up I'm not great I'm not super Christian I, I'm, I blew it for no apparent reason because of me my ability because I was drifting I blew it it's no one else's fault I remember I was called to the home of a family a woman had had a past with uh, drug addiction and I was called to their home because she had a relapse, and I went immediately. When I got there, we began to talk, and when I got there, she was full of shame. And I was talking, and we were working through scriptures, and all of a sudden, she went to one of these uh, anonymous meetings, and her sponsor, whatever, showed up, and immediately her demeanor shifted from shame to victim. Like that. And now it was no longer her fault. And all this, and I was shocked. And in the course of the conversation, I found out that she got the pills at the anonymous meeting. That was... Mind-blowing. I guess if you're an entrepreneur, probably if you're going to do that, it's the best place to sell them. I don't know. It's not terrible. I mean, that's a terrible thought, but that's kind of what they thought, I suppose. But the point I want to make is when she moved from shame to victim, 
she's never going to get well. Because she would not be honest about the sin. And if you harbor sin in your life because someone else did something to you or something happened in this situation, if you harbor sin in your life because of someone else and that's your excuse, you'll never get right until you own it, until you're honest. The second thing you do after you have an honest assessment of your life is you confess your neglect. See, too many Christians lay down in bed at night, Lord, forgive me for all my sins I did today. Come on now. You're going to repeat the same sins tomorrow. It's not until you and I see sin as he sees it. God, I lied. God, I, uh, I moved away from your word of God. I thought the television, I thought the internet, I thought this, that, and the other was more important than your word of God. I couldn't give you, I couldn't give you just a, a few moments of the day. I'm selfish. Until I confess, until I come clean and honestly say that it's, I'm not the victim, I'm the perpetrator. And I confess that. You're not going to get over it. And after you confess it, then you've got to repent. You've got to turn from it. Someone has said, I don't remember who it was, it's been for years. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. And then I would tell you to return to the Word of God. Return to the Word of God. Renew your commitment to prayer and fellowship with other Christians. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot escape neglect. You have to refuse neglect. You cannot escape it. You have to refuse it. So I would encourage you I encourage you, get close to God. He'll get close to you. Renew your commitment to His Word and to prayer and to fellowship. Renew it. This has to be about you and Him. Not about what people think about you. It has to be about you wanting to be right with Him. I want to read the Word of God because I love the Lord and I want to hear what He has for me. I want to talk to Him because I believe Him and I believe that He will help me whatever I need. I'm going to Him. I believe I want to be here amongst God's people because I need it. I need to be encouraged but I also need to be an encourager I have a responsibility to help my brothers and sisters and to love them and I want to do that because of Jesus he is because of his gospel we are all connected together and I don't want to drift nobody that starts drifting says oh I want to do it I'm going to purposely, today I'm going to get away as far away from God as I can. Nobody does that. But ever so subtly, we start drifting. Have you ever been in the ocean? Out in the ocean floating off the beach? And you're having a great time and you're not paying attention? 
And before you know it, you look back to the beach and your family's not there. Your blankets and your chairs are not there anymore. You think, what? And you look, you happen to look, well, they're way up there. How did I get from there to here? The current, the undercurrent, slowly, as the tide's washing in and out, slowly drifts you away from where you want to be. So does the devil. He slowly pulls you away. And he would love to take you out with a riptide and take you out and just drown you in the sea because you claim the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know that because you are a born-again Christian, you are the enemy of the devil? If you're alive, you might tell someone about Jesus Christ and they might believe. So he'd just soon have you dead and in heaven out of his way. Be careful. Watch the drift. Derek mentioned to me yesterday, we were talking a little bit about this, and he mentioned to me, there's a song by Casting Crowns called A Slow Fade. That's the truth. It slowly happens over time. Beware of spiritual drifting. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you to work in this invitation.